Today, we are going to discuss our next pillar of discipline in your wholehearted parenting journey, how to respond instead of react. This involves creating space and pausing before you act. Felicia and I call it the pause. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one. And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Today, my facepalm is that we actually have already recorded this episode (laughs) once. This is our second time. We met last week, early in the morning, (laughs) and I usually back up our episodes on my phone, and then Felicia, we use the, you know, the awesome equipment on her computer, but we were getting a little confident with the computer, (laughs) and so last week, I did not record it on my phone, and... Computer, I mean, Felicia's computer died. <laughs> Her laptop, dead as a doornail. So, over the it's weekend. It's not funny, really. So, here know. we are, <laughs> again, 5 a.m., recording this episode again, because I thought, we don't need to do, we don't need to, like, have a backup anymore. We are good. Oh, my god. So, anyway, that's my face palm. Felicia calls me. She's like, I have something to say. <laughs> have some bad news which you know it's fine it's no big deal we'll just we're happy to be here again we love this so anyway that's my face palm back up when you just it's always a good idea if it's easy to back something up just back it up just do it yep we must love you guys if we're (laughs) 5 a.m okay my uh high five starts out sounding like a face palm but my cat has this obnoxious habit of knocking over cups of water any cup of water if you leave it out he just it's not to drink it it's just to knock it over he just puts his paw in and pulls it over and <laughs> cats love that my it. cat does that too uh, i love it and well i so. don't <laughs> sorry i don't love it <laughs> it's really cute uh, not at all actually um so my cat knocked over a cup of water and the my two older boys were in the room and i was so frustrated because he's been doing this all the time and i was just said boomer oh such a bad boy and i'm like getting so mad and pulling off the table taking him outside and my my oldest goes mom boomer is not a bad boy he just made a bad choice (laughs) (laughs) he just made a bad decision so my high five is that my kids are catching on to the not labeling, not calling names, all of that. Apparently, I'm not. And I tried to explain myself. He's an animal. <laughs> I'm just so mad. And my my little one is still bringing this up. Mom, you shouldn't have called Boomer a bad boy. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Well, you're never going to live this oh, down. They're catching on. Guilt is okay. Yes. Shame about, is But not. shame is not. Wow. They got the lingo. Felicia. Yes. Okay, so today we are going to talk about what we call the pause, which we think is a really 
really cool parenting tool. It's actually this concept is kind of what turned me on to respectful parenting and got me researching. Um, and basically it's just to take a moment to pause and reach a place of more inner calm and peace before you respond. And the pause <clears throat> we consider, I mean, we're talking capital T, capital P with a period at the end. Yes. Like the pause. Grand. It is. Yes. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. And I think the whole key, key here is a lot of times with parenting, we get stuck in a cycle of reaction instead of responding. And so it's like almost like that flight or fight, fight or flight. I don't know, guys, which one it is. Do you? <laughs> flight or flight, right? Flight or flight. Because <laughs> we don't fight. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, but it's totally it's reacting. Cat. Yeah. Yes. Full blown just reacting. Full blown reaction to our kids acting out, um, which I. I think if you aren't being intentional or thinking, that's what m most of us do. And and we don't feel like it's bad, but I feel like if you can reach this place of more awareness, then it's super helpful. So <clears throat> basically, I like to think of it as creating a cushion of acceptance around whatever is going on. So you're giving yourself a little bit of space to create the best response and you're giving your kids a little bit of space for their emotion and what this does is allows them to have a place to <clears throat> bounce off and resolve their emotion um gives them a safe place to go because they know yeah they're having this big tantrum you're not gonna freak out and yell at them or be physical or whatever it is because they fill that cushion of space that you have created by being more calm and just taking a second instead of just reacting. Because mm -hmm. that space is not only like a personal space, but that it's the time. Mm -hmm. You give a certain amount of time, which is different for every situation. But yeah. that in that time, that's where we find that space. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And I think that in most cases, discipline isn't an emergency. And um, so if you can create that pause and that space by... Some examples I like to give are like walking instead of running to a situation. Um, so in the aftermath of like you, you want to try to see something coming, right? Like a hit or something. But if you can't and the kids are both just crying, if you can walk over calmly, talk calmly instead of yelling, those kind of actions create that space for your kids to say, oh, this isn't the end of the world. My mom's calm, so I can calm down, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so for me, this concept of the pause, I love. It's really the only thing I can say for sure when people ask me advice about baby sleep. So I read, like, every book on baby sleep that has, I mean, I can't even say how many books on sleep I read. <laughs> Before my first, during my first, even after all my other babies. So it isn't for lack of, like, researching the concept, but I don't feel like I really ever mastered the whole baby sleep thing. I mean, my babies are fine sleepers. They're like average mm -hmm. sleepers. Some a little bit more below average, some a little bit more above average. <laughs> but, you know, like pretty much just average sleepers. Now they're excellent sleepers. But as babies, like I never had. I mean, Felicia, she her babies like sleep through the night at two months old. It's amazing. <laughs> they're the like the first one. <laughs> yes, but the other two. <laughs> so it's incredible. And we did the same. I mean, I think we did the same thing. I don't know. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, I do not claim to be a sleep professional. And I actually take comfort in the fact that Jenna Lansbury says the same thing. She's, you know, like our favorite 
parenting mentor. And I think that's some people's jam. And for me, anyway, what I'm saying is the only thing I can tell you out there for sure, all you parents who are struggling with sleep with your babies or like my little sister's pregnant right now. She's just about to have a baby. And she's like, tell me which book you would read. And I, you know, I told her my favorite Janet Lansbury and a few others. But then I was like, when it comes to sleep, I mean, there's some good tactics, but really the only thing I can say for sure is actually from a book called bringing up baby, um, which is about oh, an American who goes to France and has a baby. And actually, and she's raising her child in France and everybody there, like their kids are good sleep. Like when they start talking about sleep, she's like, wait, wait, your guys' babies are actually sleeping. What's happening? And they do something called the pause. And, um, when a baby wakes up, you literally just give them, you know, I mean, when they're tiny, you're not giving them tons of time. They're not like crying all by mm-hmm. themselves forever in their rooms. But if you just wait, just like a little bit of time. So like. For me, I noticed when I started doing it, just like one minute, Mm -hmm. my newborn all of a sudden was like, you know, say I have a, let's just say four months old, you give them one minute and they're just sleeping again. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't even actually like, they didn't actually need anything. Or when they're new newborn, it was oftentimes like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. But when I jumped out of bed, as soon as they made a sound, I actually found out that I was waking, I was like disrupting my kid. Because they're just, they're just like saying something in the night for 30 seconds. And I'm over there like, what's it? What is it? Diaper change. What? You know, like going through all my stuff. Diaper, food, you know, whatever. Burp. (laughs) What do you need? What do you need here? But if you just wait, I'm not saying let your newborn cry it out. I'm just saying like literally wait. Just a tiny, tiny, 30 Mm -hmm. seconds, a minute. Just that not like immediate reacting. It's more just like assessing. Okay. What do you need something here? Mm -hmm. Like half the time they just went back to sleep. And on my my second kids, my second two were actually way better sleepers. Yes. And on that same note, not only sleep, but even just babies crying in general. Yes, all things. As soon as I Heart switched seat. it from on my first baby where I was like, you know, we're just sitting there. She starts crying. And, I, and again, you go through the, okay, food, burp, um, diaper, mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's And it's almost just like, I'm just going to do all the, the things. <laughs> you know, like all the things. Why are you crying? Uh, yeah. To... Instead, if you just take that pause and it's literally just like, okay, this is your way of communicating. Mm-hmm. I'm not upset by you crying. So, okay, you're crying. And and it's funny because the books I read did say to do this, but I didn't really grasp it until I think after my second, mm-hmm. <laughs> during my second baby. But, you know, if you can just change your perspective to your baby cries and you look at your baby and take a minute to figure out what they need. Mm-hmm. Look at them. Observe them. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see you're crying. Is there something you need? And a lot of times your calm presence actually alleviates it you just Mm -hmm. being able to listen to them and then if you're like oh okay you know what okay let me think about this you're probably hungry right Mm -hmm. and you can just respond everything's so much more peaceful it isn't this like frantic i'm trying to stop you from crying and that's why i'm going to go through this list of things it's more like a i'm observing you and this is actually a conversation you're Mm -hmm. you're telling me a complaint and you know what you've been up for two hours that's what you're telling Mm -hmm. me oh okay you know what i mean and it's Mm -hmm. so respectful and it's so calm and your baby can feel it, and it makes parenting so much more enjoyable. So you're actually meeting their needs in a much more peaceful way, and I think they feel way secure about it. In fact, I remember something I admired so much about my grandma. I was, she said on all my babies, but on my first baby, which I was the most nervous about, um, she would when she was holding my, my little sweetie, she'd hold her, and she'd say, like, you know, she'd start crying, and she'd be like, little fussing baby doesn't scare me. 
little fuss and doesn't scare me. And I remember watching her and being like, what do you mean it doesn't scare you? Yeah. Like, like what? That's not like, you know, because it's ingrained mm-hmm. inside of us genetically that like when a baby cries, we, we react. We have to <laughs> fix the crying, right? Mm-hmm. But my grandma showed me and she hadn't read any of those parenting books, but she knew innately just from her experience being a mother and a grandmother mm-hmm. that you can actually just listen and observe peacefully. And that's actually much better way of figuring out what they need instead of being like <gasps> you're mm-hmm. crying what can i do to stop it you know mm-hmm. anyway so to me that pause with babies whether they're sleeping and you're sleeping or you're awake during the day and they do this like that pause literally just giving it a little time mm-hmm. assessing it in a peaceful way makes like the world a difference and it makes your parenting so much less stressful totally i think for me a big game changer with babies on this was in the car seat my first was not enjoyable <laughs> In his car seat. But I tell my husband all the time that I think I created the monster because the second he would cry in the car seat, I was, what can I do? Binky. Like, throw back a toy. Sucker. Do we need to stop the car? Get you out. Like, whatever. Total reaction. When he just didn't like being in the car seat. And he was just telling you that. He was just talking. I don't like the car seat. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) But the way he talked was crying. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And so I... With my other two, once you have more kids and you you just can't be that attentive, it almost was like... And you can't pull over the car every time they cry. Because you actually have to go places. Exactly. (laughs) I was like forced to realize, oh, they just might be sad in the car seat and that's fine. And And you've already made sure their important needs are met before you get in the car seat. So you're not... Or poopy or whatever. Or hungry. Um, And so they're both angels in the car seat you know and it's, it's so because true. they're like it's yeah. so true like i've never once thought with either of them oh i'm dreading putting in the car seat but with my first it was every single time like no please no please no <laughs> so you're like you're like crying <laughs> you put <him> in. <laughs> no <laughs> can we just walk there <laughs> uh, so try that with car seat so we're going to give a few examples for when to use the pause with babies and toddlers and then we'll take a little break and go into older kids um so i wanted to start out with just saying or telling you guys what brought me into this space of respectful parenting and that was when i had my second baby um about when he was six seven months when he could sit up my older one who was about two-ish at that time was really not keen on the idea of us having a baby and with like all little kids, even older kids, when a new baby comes into the home, it just rocks their world. Especially that first. It's oh. de- what book? I can't remember what book it is, but they call it the dethroning. Yeah, you know, because <laughs> yeah, that yeah. first, yeah, just mm, changes their yeah. whole life. And lucky for me, it is. It was sad, but I knew exactly that's what it was because he just straight up took it out on the baby. Some kids don't. They take it out in other ways. They start, you know, peeing on the floor when they're already potty trained or whatever. So. Just be sensitive to that when you have a new baby. Like, give your kids a little cushion. Um, but In fact, just expect it. Because every know, time you have yeah. a new baby, everybody's going through a lot of emotions. Yep. You're yep. going through a lot of emotions. Everybody totally. is. So just be totally graceful um, about that. Yeah. <laughs> and so my six, seven-month-old would just be sitting there playing. And my two-year-old would come just push him over straight onto that big old noggin. And, you know, they have no mm, way to no. Res- They have no recoil when their baby's just wham right on the floor. And so it brought me so much stress because I was living in this constant, like, I'm kind of mad at my two-year-old. I'm just reacting. I'm just like, 
ah, like I felt no peace in my parenting. So I started like researching a little bit more. And um, so basically this is the advice that I took from, for this situation. And that is that um, we need to be just really aware of our kids. So if we can create that space between us and them where we can see them. So you're not just, oh my gosh, you just pushed them over again. Like, why would you do that? I'm getting so mad. But create that space and realize, wow, you're going through a really, really hard time having this new baby in the house. How can I give you a little cushion and give the baby a little cushion and me a little cushion, respect all of us. Um, and so if you're having like a toddler hurting a baby, which I think is very common with little toddlers, uh, my advice is give that literal space. So if you have to like wear your baby in a sling or put them in a playpen or crib for a few days or week or two during the playtime and don't actually put them down on the ground where your toddler can have access, you are being that mama bear and you are protecting the baby, but you're also protecting the toddler because he doesn't want to hurt the baby. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's like, oh, feel this is my vendetta for the day. I'm going to go push him over. Like he's out of control. He's going through a hard time. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good to him. And and he feels like he's bad because he's exactly. like, why do I, I'm getting in trouble because I, and I am hurting somebody, yeah. you know, yeah, that doesn't feel good. Yep. So you can just, for me, it totally, once I did that, and sort of realize, you know what, you're not in a space. I need to protect you right now. Mm-hmm. And take away that opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're protecting both of them. I love yep. It. And that totally. So same thing goes for any sort of physical hitting, biting, pushing, pulling hair, all of that. Toddler time is like prime, at least for my kids, hitting, <laughs> biting, pushing, all the things. <laughs> and so it's we a lovely little yes. <laughs> stage. It's so fun in so many ways. But yeah. <laughs> so weird in so many ways we can't always prevent it but i think a lot of the times we can know our kids triggers so if we can so first step if you can see it coming on either take your baby out of the situation or if it's with another toddler or an older sibling i can see my two-year-old if i'm aware like building up like mm-hmm. they took my toy and <clears throat> they're clenching the fist and so just going over calmly stopping their little body if you need to hold them stop their hand and you don't you don't really have to say anything but if you want to um janet lansbury you know her thing is just sports casting back what's their what they're doing so that's just repeating what they're doing so stopping their hand and saying wow you really want to hit i'm not gonna let you hit and then just be with them until they calm down mm-hmm. and my biggest tip for this is in those moments, I don't think are the best time to say things like, you can't, like, we don't hit, that really hurts them. I think all those things are good to say, but I think in the, that moment, they're kind of a little bit fired up. Like maybe wait a second when you have them over to the side to like tell them about why they can't hit. But I think most of the time they already know that. So just stopping them and giving them that space so then they're mad and they're uh, and they're screaming and crying all those emotions can come out but they're in a safe place you've created that cushion that they can come out instead of they're hurting someone else even though they don't want to and then my next tip is um for babies and toddlers is a lot of times people ask um how do you not use timeouts because with respectful and wholehearted parenting, this whole um, 
theory, you don't want to use timeouts just because it secludes them, puts them off in isolation, um, and makes that a punishment. So I have a couple tips for this. One is just being with them. So if you need to take a second and give them some space, you can take them in a room, but go with them. Or if you're in a store and a tantrum starts, you might need to leave. Or if you're at a family party, and it's hard because you don't want to leave the situation, but I've seen just giving your kids one to two minutes in another room with you where you're saying, well, you're really having a hard time, but I'm going to be here with you while you calm down instead of banishing them to the other room really lets them release that emotion, gives them that space, and then they can come back out and join you feeling more refreshed instead of, I think, resentful after having a timeout. <clears throat> um, another tip for timeouts is I like to say switching the timeout, like flipping it on its head and using those minutes that you would normally put into a timeout as a pause of time to decide the best course of action. So it's basically just a pause, but so with babies, like one-year-olds, it might be like one minute, two-year-olds, it might be like two minutes. I think that's a pretty good amount of time to go with their age. But so say your four-year-old just grabbed a big stick and whacked a kid outside or whatever, you can take them into another space, hold them and not say anything. And for three or four minutes, sit in that stillness and awareness with them and it allows you to see oh maybe there was a reason that they did that maybe whatever it makes you more aware of the situation so you can decide the best course of action so it's kind of like a timeout for you and for them <laughs> mm -hmm. i love it but it's not a, it's not necessarily a punishment exactly yeah so for me something that helps me with this so i did timeouts you know not a ton but a little <laughs> bit with my first uh, before I learned about this and I've loved on my last three I didn't do them at all and it's so much better um, so the whole concept for me I always like it helps me kind of feel really good about my this parenting strategy when you think about the long term so if our end goal isn't we don't want isolation to ever be a punishment I mean we I know like people use that in prisons and it is um, but in our balance when you're trying to live a wholehearted balanced life Seeing isolation as a punishment isn't a healthy way of living. In fact, I actually think isolation, when you, when you know you need it, it's actually like one of the most healing things ever. So if I want my kids to be adults who know I'm getting a little worked up here, I'm, getting, I'm feeling stress or whatever, I need a break. I want them to see that as an actual positive thing. I want them to know you can take a break, you can go into a quiet place and be present come back to yourself and that's actually going to be so so helpful so many people don't know how to be by themselves and so what happens is when you're feeling the stress you're feeling all the negative things what happens is instead of knowing how to actually decompress yourself then they go into numbing and getting more busy and whatever because they don't actually know how to calm themselves down so for me if a kid does something that you see as bad behavior and your your punishment is you have to go sit by yourself in a room, then they're going to see that sitting by themselves in a room as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. So instead, I love this. I love this way of being because first of all, you're, you know, 
especially with babies, you're protecting babies, you're not letting it start, you're putting them in a safe space, you're stopping conflict where you can before it does, you're, you know, stopping a hit before it actually happens. But then when things do happen and you do need a little bit of space, with you actually going with them and saying, you know what, I we actually need to, we actually probably just need to leave this situation completely. This isn't a bad thing though. Mm-hmm. I'm just helping protect you from hurting <laughs> this person or from doing this. When you actually go into the other room with them and just sit quietly with them, you don't have to, you don't have to fill the space with words mm-hmm. and, you know, teaching lessons. Cause I actually think there's a lot of helpful words to say, but usually right then they're not in a space to listen and just sitting there, you're actually showing them, Oh, this space feels good. Mm-hmm. I needed this space. I needed this decompression time. Mm-hmm. And I feel so much better. And guess what? My mom still loves me. Yeah. She didn't. Like it's, and it's genetically, and I keep talking about genetic stuff today, but it's programmed within us that when you're pushed outside, that is dangerous out of, I mean, animals feel it in like a herd, humans in the community. Like when you're pushed outside and the door's closed because somebody's pushed you out, not because you're choosing to have your own space, it, it creates a fear inside of us. Like I have been shut out. This isn't safe. Yeah. So your kid will end up feeling safe and still loved, but also like, oh, my mom protected me. She mm-hmm. saw I was out of control and she stepped in because she's the big person and I'm mm-hmm. the little person. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So to me, I love, 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 love this concept. And hopefully you can create kids who, when they get older, like my oldest now, she knows she'll be like, mommy, I need a break. Mm-hmm. And she'll just go and take her own space. I don't have to be like, go to your room, mm-hmm. don't come out until I say. She literally just, she knows she wants the space mm-hmm. and she'll just go be like, you know what? Uh, yeah. And she'll just go up in a room and just enjoy herself. And it's not a punishment. And she, But she's learning how to self-regulate herself, which is just like, that's what we're trying to create, right? That's the end goal. And I think when we keep that in mind, it's so much easier. So those are our tips for little kids create that space, make safe spaces where you can, especially when you have little babies, put them in actually a safe, and there's a lot of safe spaces. And I just want to just review them before we go on to the big kids. Felicia mentioned you can wear them in a sling. You can put them in a high chair while you're cooking dinner instead of on the floor where your toddler can get to them. You can put them in a playpen while you're, again, all the, I'm like thinking of cooking dinner because that's Mm -hmm. like one place that's hard to wear them. (laughs) Anyway, um, and wearing them all the time, I love wearing my babies, but you don't want to wear them all the time. <laughs> so yeah. um, anyway, so if you just literally create that space, then your, your toddler doesn't have to be in that space of, mm-hmm. I want to push this baby over mm-hmm. and I'm oh, going yeah. to, they can still want to push the baby over, but they're not actually going to want to as much if the baby's not taking their toys there. and stuff. Yep. And then, but when they get bigger, just as a review, when they get bigger, you're stopping the conflict where you can, but when you can't, you can go over calmly and then create a physical gentle space, mm-hmm. but you're not pushing them into isolation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk about using the paws with older kids. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
So now we're going to move into how to deal with older kids using the paws. And I'm going to talk about one concept that's been on my mind a lot lately, and it is tattling. So I never really thought tattling was like an issue in my home. I never really like used that word. And, and I thought, I, I don't know, I didn't think it was a problem with my kids. And I'm a part of a bunch of, you know, parenting forums where people ask questions and one mom brought up the concept of tattling and I was so surprised by the conversation that followed it. I mean, people have very strong feelings about tattling. Mm -hmm. And I heard mom saying things like, um, I tell my kids that if they ever come to me with a conflict, I punish both of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? No matter what it is. Like, I don't want to hear it. I'm just going to punish both of you. And it made me start thinking. I was like, hold on a second. Do my kids tattle? Like, why is this? Why have I never? I mean, I've thought about tattling before, but then it's never been like a thing that I'm like, Ugh, how do I stop this from happening? Mm -hmm. I thought about the word. And when I, but when I was little, oh, it's not when I was little, sorry. When my kids were little, I remember, um, just when I like heard people talking about the concept of tattling, my initial philosophy was this, and it still is. This is, and it served me well, I feel like. My philosophy with tattling is, first of all, I don't even call it tattling in my house <laughs> because if the long-term long habit I want with my kids is for them to feel like they can come to me and they can tell me things. So if I don't, if I don't, if I punish them for telling me something now, even if it's something annoying, if I punish them now, how do I expect them to ever come and tell me when they're later and somebody does something mean at school to them? Mm -hmm. If I just, if they're so used to me saying, I don't even want to hear it and I might punish you. I don't see how that really creates a situation where they want to come and tell me things, mm -hmm. which is the opposite of what I'm trying to create in my home. Right. right. So mm -hmm. for me, this is how, this has been helpful for me. So I actually feel like tattling isn't a problem in my home. And it is using the pause of the, the beautiful thing about taking, a, whether it's a few seconds or a few minutes to process something before reacting. The benefit is it just creates a lot of peace. So when a kid comes to you, they know you're not going to automatically put up your fist too and be like, yeah, I'm so mad about this. And I'm going to jump into this conflict and solve it myself. Because that isn't what you're going to do. So, so this is what, this is what I do. When my kid comes to me and says, so we've already covered the little kid stuff. Mm -hmm. Your kid comes to you and says, this guy hit me. A great thing to do is, oh, that sounds, and so a lot of times they're not even crying at this point. You know what I mean? It's just like, he pushed me on the playground. Mm -hmm. And you can just say, oh, he pushed on the playground. That sounds really frustrating. It doesn't mean you have to go in and be like, to the to the random kid on the playground and be like, okay, let's talk this out and like insert yourself into it because that's where I think people get so annoyed by the concept of tattling. They don't mm -hmm. want to have to be Solve it. going in every single time and like live in that world. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just, oh, that that sounds like it really hurts. And then I always like to ask, what would you like to do now? So in that situation that I just said, kids at a playground, it's a kid you don't even know who just pushed your kid. Um, you can say, what would you like to do now? And a lot of times your kid on their own knows, I'm going to play over here now. Yeah. <laughs> you know I what I mean? I'm just not going to go over there by that person, right? Mm -hmm. We have a whole playground. So they're actually learning problem solving at a young age. Now, as they get older, that same concept works really, really well. Because now they're not little. I mean, we were just talking about literally, I mean, your job is to like create protective space for a baby, right? We're not talking about that anymore. These are big kids who can walk around by themselves and they're not like totally vulnerable <laughs> like a baby is. So something that happens a lot in my house 
and when I say a lot, I mean, this probably happens maybe twice a week, um, where I'll have one kid come to me and say, so I'm just going to use my, my second daughter, for example. She'll come to me and say, uh, you know what? She talking about my 10 year old. She'll say, she's not letting me be the princess in our imaginary play. And again, I get the point that a lot of moms are saying, I don't want to be the referee of that. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing is you don't have to be the referee of that. Mm-hmm. You can just say, oh, that sounds really frustrating. I can see why you'd want to be the princess. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the solution? And you just say that. That's all I say. And it lets her know, I heard you. But also, I'm not going to go upstairs into their imaginary play and be like, okay, we're going to set, you know what, you get to be the princess and then you get, because that's exhausting. Nobody mm-hmm. actually wants to do that. And they are now at an age where they can come up with their own solutions. Mm-hmm. So just the pause of validating what they said, listening to them, knowing that I am a loving ear but I also believe in you to come up with a solution Mm -hmm. is like mind blowing because hopefully the concept here is I'm hoping that as they get older and again, they don't come to me. They only come to me if they're really feeling something now. They they don't come to me with every single thing. Mm -hmm. Like some of my friends will say, well, they come to me with, and I've actually had, Oh, and I've had that before when you have a group of kids, I'm like one kid, somebody else's kid will just, you know, like this one who used to always come up to me and be like, okay (laughs) jack just did this like just telling me everything that everybody did and it's Uh like thank you for telling me that but i'm not gonna go over and yeah you know what i mean like i actually don't care if that guy has that rock yeah (laughs) like you guys can solve it but um but anyway so the the nice thing about this approach is it usually creates they usually only come to you if they want some emotion validated Mm -hmm. they're not gonna come to me for everything because i'm they know i'm not gonna like totally just solve every problem for them Mm -hmm. but the benefit is I'm hoping that as they get older, they know, you know what? My mom will at least listen to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And she may not be able to solve the problem because a lot of times moms can't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, if you didn't turn in your homework for a whole term, I want them to know that they can still come to me mm-hmm. and I can help them problem solve, but I can't do their homework for them. You know what I mean? So yep. the, the situations just get bigger. But I love the concept of whatever we do when they're little, as, it gets, as they get bigger, the same philosophy applies Mm -hmm. just the situations change Mm -hmm. so when you look at it from a long-term point of view I don't yeah I don't even use the word tattle in my home because what's a teenager tattling Mm -hmm. we don't use that with teenagers in fact we say please tell Tell me tell me if anybody does this tell me but if we've been telling them the whole lives that they've been tattling how does that you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I don't I don't really for so for me that's my recommendation for the day with the pause if you can just pause validate and help them with their own problem solving and eliminate tattling from your vocabulary, I think that that can really open up a lot of freedom and possibility in your relationship. Totally. So that's my tip with older kids and the word tattling. And you can do this exact same thing with, so we talked about babies and toddlers and then there's older kids, but there's that space in between where they can come up with their own solution, but they still, you know, like the three to six year old, they still sometimes hit sometimes scream sometimes yes yes have that and my two and four year old i'll still say that can you think of a solution but guess what lots of times they can't think of a solution Mm -hmm. on their own my my older kids can almost always just solve Mm -hmm. their own stuff but with my two and four year old it's not like that yeah yeah, and that's the cool thing is you can still so you go over you might have to create a little more physical space so say for example like my two and four they're almost three and five but they normally play really well together but whatever the situation oh, he took my green gun. I really want the green gun. And he's running over to hit. So in that situation, you go over, create the space, stop the two-year-old from hitting. And then 
you really can just say back what they're saying. So, wow, you really want the green gun. And then my four-year-old will be like, but I want the green gun. Wow, you also really want the green gun. And sometimes that goes back and forth for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then do either of you have a solution? And usually it's the older one because they're a little bit more enlightened at this point. <laughs> we'll say, you know, he can have the green gun. Maybe we can take a turn or whatever. Almost always they come up with a solution. But even if they don't, you can let them just bounce off of you that madness i really want the green gun blah 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 and then you might have to help them you know get work through their solution but it's not oh my gosh you took the green gun again rip it out of their hands stop taking it from your little brother blah 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 because there you're solving their problem you're not giving them that space to express all of those things so same concept yeah don't you love that same pattern though you're Mm -hmm. validating and you're offering them the chance to come up with their own solution Mm -hmm. and i do think with our kids at least i've watched them they'll they will oftentimes come up with solutions sometimes they're so frustrated about that green gun though that they can't and i know janet lansbury doesn't recommend using Mm -hmm. timers but I love it when my kids come up with it. They'll suggest a timer yeah. themselves. You know, like my my when two minutes is over, my little we'll boy will say, "How about you know? How about he can have it for two minutes? Set a timer, mm-hmm. mommy." And I like I love it when he comes yeah. up with, with that solution. It appeases them both, mm-hmm. and they've come up with it. And sometimes, and sometimes, but sometimes you can suggest a solution too. If it's not yeah. working, you can suggest something. Mm-hmm. But you're just teaching them the pattern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and not point. rushing in and solving it right then. Yeah, giving them space to maybe have that chance to think of it on their own beautiful so in closing allowing this pause can get get us into a space that um we're in a place of inner peace and less emergency level all the time when we are just reacting to our kids we're able to respond to them and it allows their just big emotions to be able to come out knowing that we're their mama bear we're the big person they're the little person and we are going to be calm with them and let them just bounce that off of us yes and the long-term goal here is the but the the benefit of the pause is that you are hopefully creating humans who can see their own actions Mm -hmm. right we all know adults who and i've done this too so i'm not like putting the blame out there (laughs) i've done it but you know we've all been listening to somebody while they're telling a story and they're talking about what the other person did and they're they're like and then she at work, can you believe it? She did this. And they're really frustrated. But sometimes when you're listening, it's almost like you don't even see what you did. Mm-hmm. Like you don't see that you're also part of the problem here, right? Mm-hmm. And again, I've done this We've so many times myself this. where yes. it's like I'm only seeing the other person and what they're doing wrong and not seeing what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. But the concept is if we cannot just jump in and freak out and make our kids way defensive mm-hmm. and have them have to just be like, no, oh, it was the other person. Mm-hmm. If you can just say, ah, I, I see that you tried to hit him and I'm seeing that mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily like freaking out about it. Yeah. Or yeah then they're, hopefully what you're doing is you're creating humans who can actually see their own actions because they're not so scared all the time of being punished and having to defend themselves. Yeah. If they can just start to see them, I mean, I would love to create adults who can actually say, you know, I noticed that I was frustrated there and I really lashed out and I sent mm-hmm. them an email. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Instead mm-hmm. of being like, just they that the other person got mad, right? That email. And, yeah. That's mm-hmm. the beauty of the pause is that we're yep. teaching our children that you can take a minute, you can actually be feeling those things and actually see when you do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And by you just being peaceful during that, you allow them to reflect on their own actions instead of just freaking out. When you react with anger, the, the huge, to me, there's a lot of downsides to anger, the withdrawal of love, the feeling of unsafety, all that kind of thing. But 
I think the one of the most important things is when you respond with anger, reacting, not having that pause. What your kids do is they focus on you. Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm mad at you mm-hmm. for being mad at me mm-hmm. instead of actually seeing what they've done themselves. And if you can stay peaceful in it, it doesn't allow them th- that chance to put, now I can take that kind of guilt that I was feeling and just be mad at you for reacting in anger. Right. If you don't react in anger, they just have to say, oh, I did this. Yeah. And the, the focus stays on what they've done, which is the end goal. That's like one of the biggest beauties of doing the pause. You're creating people who can actually see their own actions, right? Yep. You're creating anyway. self-awareness. Yes, self-awareness. Beautiful. Let's find the magic. <coughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>